we could get up there, just the two of us. We could reach the wreckage, all right. As long as we didn't take more gear than we actually needed for a climb. But why would anybody want to go up there? There's nothing there but corpses and broken things, mail. We'll all be there next year. They'll send another party up in the spring. You remember I wanted to go up with servos. And those people at the airfield, why do you think they were so anxious about getting up there right away? Everybody in the hotel was talking about it. The plane was carrying gold. Gold? Gold, a whole shipment of gold for England. A whole lot of it, somebody said. You mustn't believe everything you hear. Think about the passengers. Even if the plane wasn't carrying gold, think about the passengers. Every one of them must have had money with them. You have to be rich to travel on an airplane. What's it to us if they had money? We could take it from them. Every now and then you watch a film that is neither particularly great or particularly bad. That's a bit above average, but on another day could be a tad below par. That in the end is exactly what you needed at that time and place. Average seems a tad harsh and very good slightly over the top when describing it. And one such masterpiece of this admittedly confusing description is Edward Dimitrik's 1956 film, The Mountain. If you haven't heard of it, the plot goes something like this. A plane from India crashes on a mountain in the Alps. Aerial pictures show that there are no survivors, and the best idea is to wait until spring before attempting to retrieve the bodies. In a small nearby village, two brothers, Zachary, played by Spencer Tracy, is a man of God on the landscape. He cares for his animals, his younger brother Chris, who he has raised since he was a baby after the death of their mother. Chris hates his life. He hates being spoken down to and wishes to escape the village for a better life. He has a plan climb the mountain and rob the corpses. Zachary, the expert climber, has not been near the mountain since a tragic incident years before, reluctantly agrees to help Chris, believing the climb itself will be an opportunity to bond with his brother and make him see sense about his place in the world. After they get to the wreck of the plane, they discover a survivor, and Zachary is faced with the awful truth that Chris is irredeemable in every possible way. A subtle film, The Mountain, is not. It is filled with rather obvious metaphors. The mountain is symbolic of just about everything you can think of it, and its characters are hardly deep. Contemporary critics of it claim that Tracy's performance seemed a little phoned in, and the script gives little for him to do, but I would actually disagree, because Zachary is a man dedicated to his spirituality and environment. He doesn't have to talk all the time in offer to show this. He believes in the world in which he lives, being kind to animals, treating people with respect. And during the film's opening half, we see him tending to his flock, taking pleasure in feeding his animals and being kind to those around him. It probably doesn't require the depths of Tracy's acting abilities, but the message is clear. This is a man at peace. He believes in the sanctity of family, of living a good life. His life may, may seem narrow and boring through his through the eyes of metropolitan city dwellers, but Zachary is a character who has a reverence and gratitude for what he has been given. I used to teach you out of this book before they had the school. You didn't teach me much. I didn't know much. I was 14 years old when I went to work. I was already a grown man by the time you were born and Mama died. There wasn't much time to learn anything. It seems a lot No, I'm sick of hearing about how you took care of me and raised me up. I didn't ask to be born and I didn't ask you to raise me up. What's the matter? Is something bothering you? I don't like being poor. And I don't like taking orders from people that call me boy and think because if they give me a tip, it makes up for whatever feelings I've got. I don't like being laughed at. I never laughed at you. You're to blame for it. <coughs> we used to have money, and it meant something being your brother. When I was a guide, we used to take people up the mountain. It's all over now. Uh, just because that Englishman got killed. I don't see what difference it makes. You both fell. You lived and he died. It's all a matter of luck. 
I was the one who fell. I pulled him with me. He was surprised. I remember when I fell, I looked right into his face. He looked so surprised. Imagine me, Teller, falling like that. Last thing in the world he expected. Me too, for that matter. I don't climb anymore. The mountain gave me its warning. He doesn't want me. Uh, that's just an idea you got. You got caught in a rock slide and one of them hit you. And the truth of the matter is, you don't remember what happened. The mountain warned me. I don't climb anymore. I've seen and met people like this. On a trip to the Azores, I visited a place called Pico Island, a place dominated by volcanoes that locals lovingly refer to as her. Their religion was a spirituality that from the outside was hard to understand. They felt both protectors and protected by their environment. And though they weren't simple or fell into some kind of noble savage-like stereotype, they were just a community bonded together by shared love and reverence for the place in which they lived. Zachary sees the mountain as something that should be respected, that exerts an influence far beyond its physical manifestation. Chris, on the other hand, is a person of zero redeeming features. During the opium, we see him being spoken to like a nobody. There is possibly a justification for his anger. He is being talked to like a yokel, an idiot who should be naturally grateful for someone even bothering to acknowledge him. He dresses like a beatnik. He wants to be somebody he is not, yet the reality is he lives with his older brother in a house he hates, in a landscape he despises. Robert Ragnar plays Chris and the script never gives him, gives us sorry, the chance to like him. He beats Zachary and wants to go to the plane simply to rob the corpses so he can pay to get out of the place and start a new life. The pair are the yin and yang to each other, but what is interesting is that over the course of theme, neither of them actually change all that much. This may seem an odd thing given as much as what we are used to when we watch films, where we expect characters to get some form of development over the course of the running time. The mountain dispenses with all this. We are waiting for Chris to go from opportunistic charlatan to be more like his brother, to become a compassionate and likeable human. Zachary has invested his life in raising Chris. He sees through his faults and feels a deep sense of responsibility and care for him. In that respect, the film is desperately sad. Tracy often gives us glimpses of hope, however. As the pair travel up the mountain, he tells Chris their ascent is something they will both be proud of for all time. Perhaps, just perhaps, Chris will feel the same. The shared achievement will be more than just the pursuit of money. He's wrong. His brother has no such interest. The disappointment is written all over Zachary. He wants Chris to come around, yet the mountain, in effect, is reaffirming his darkest thoughts about his brother. I want to go back down. You hear me? Let's go back. You can lower me down. It won't be easy. You can lower me down, Zachary. What do you mean it's too bad? Oh, the worst is over. It's easy from here on up. We could be at the top by noon. You're lying to make me go further. I don't lie, you know that. Well, do whatever you want to, but after we've come this far and we're over the worst of it, it seems too bad not to go on. It was a good climb, something to be proud of. Look, look at that. You've hurt yourself. You wouldn't be able to help me from now on. I can help you. I can pull you up as a dead weight if I... You're just saying that without thinking, like you always do. I'm saying it and I mean it. Can we make the top by noon? Yes. And if we don't, you'll lower me back down. Yes. Well, then we'll go on. It's something to be proud of, all right. 
It's a good climb and it's a first too. It's never been done before at this time of the year. And we did it together, you and me. Something we can remember all our lives. Upon arriving at the crash site, the film's symbolism is enforced further when Zachary tries to pull the cord joining the pair to stop Chris from robbing the bodies. Chris defiantly cuts the cord. It's a moment when Zachary knows that's it. He is irredeemable and there is no way back for him. The mountain is making a point. It's telling you that sometimes there are battles worth fighting and others there are not. Hollywood often wants us to believe the exceptional, the transformation of the soul, the redemption of the human spirit. And the mountain takes a rather pragmatic case, that being some people are beyond help, they are just arseholes and other people are kind. Zachary's reason for helping Chris is that he didn't want him to die climbing the mountain alone, yet upon reaching the wreck they find an Indian woman still alive. Zachary tries to communicate with her, she doesn't speak his language, yet his kindness and determination to help her give reason to right the wrong of the trip. Chris simply wants to kill her, she might be rich and be dead soon anyway, he muses. By this point, the film's dynamic has changed. Zachary is no longer bothered by Chris, the mission can be redeemed by rescuing the girl, however. Zachary's faith, in a way, is restored. No one thought there would be any survivors. The mountain's proximity to the heavens may have been the reason why the girl was saved, he wonders. A higher power has intervened, and he has become the chosen one to save her, and he has the skills to do so. Chris becomes even more pathetic. He has nothing to offer because the only thing he cares about is materialism and the pursuit of wealth at any cost. Again, the film goes down the route of simplicity. Writers Ronald McDougall maybe making a rather obvious and well-worn point, but I for one never found the film's simple morality less than overly preachy or tired. Instead it rather reminded me of the types of assemblies we had at primary school when a local vicar would come in and, and would try and tell us in the most simple way possible that acting like an arsehole probably wasn't the best way of spending the rest of our lives. Where the mountain shines however is how it was filmed, made on location near Mont Blanc and the soundstage in Hollywood, when on location, the film is absolutely beautiful to behold. It was filmed in VistaVision, which was the IMAX of its day, a vast format designed in which the film passed horizontally through the camera at greater speed for better quality. It was Paramount's answer to CinemaScope and could be cropped at various formats. However, if displayed on a VistaVision screen, it would have had an aspect ratio of 151. Like IMAX, it favours high over width, and the mountain feels like a film made for such a format. The location work is frankly gorgeous. Edward Dimitri is not a fussy director, his style is not particularly notable. Were I to give him her contemporary likeness, it would be someone like Ron Howard, who I consider to be the epitome of safe studio director, neither great or bad, but able to shepherd stories from beginning to end. Like Howard, I think the simpler the f material, the better he works. And along with director of photography Franz Planner, who Believe me, you need to check his filmography. The pair capture the wonder of the location perfectly. The landscape dominates the film. The mountain itself looks beautiful and terrifying, as is often the case with nature, and at times you see the landscape dwarfing the characters. It reminds me of times of the Ken Burns series, The National Park, the camera static showing you vast ice shelves and the brutality of working in such an environment. You rather get the impression that VistaVisa format dictated what the film was about. And by that I mean I suspect that the material was chosen for the format, a showcase as it were, and I've no idea if this is actually true, however to a degree it makes sense. This is a fairly pedestrian morality tale, elevated by its location and inherent cinematic qualities that brings, and that VistaVision could bring alive. The film's conclusion ramps up the symbolism to a factor of 10, 
but it doesn't ever detract from the heart of it. The Mountain is a fairly wholesome film that delivers a very upright message about family, duty and faith and the inherent goodness of its lead protagonist. It's moralist, but I don't care. It looks amazing. It has some genuine suspense and I quite like the fact it was bold enough to have a character who is utterly irredeemable in every possible way. Um, where can you get hold of this film? Um, you can actually rent it on Amazon. I think you can, I think it's like $3.99 to rent or you can buy it on HD for $7.99. There is a DVD um, available. I think this film is crying out for a restoration. It's one of those films I think will fall between the cracks because I can't see there being a huge demand for it. It doesn't seem to be a particularly massively popular piece either. So um, I think streaming services will probably be where this one manages to kind of find a home in the future. I, I think it could, I mean, if you, it was to, if you give it to a restoration, I think you could make it look pretty special. Um, certainly I know it's on the DVD copy I had, there was quite, um, there's some scenes with um, quite a lot of colour fluctuations and you wonder, you know, if you could get, kind of get hold of the negative and scan it through, um, you could do something quite special with this. I would love to have seen this on, uh, on, a, on a huge screen. I think it would work so well but for the time being yeah it is out there if you want to get hold of it but that's going to be it for this episode um i there there will be a new addition to the bond retrospective up on the blog um for goldeneye i've just started doing the brosnan films so um check out for that you, you can't find it on i won't be releasing those episodes on this on the feed so you have to go to 24framescast.blogspot.com and if you go to the extras i think tab you, you'll see it there so many thanks for listening and i'll be in contact soon Bye.